Amen. Amen. How many know that our God is awesome? And because of him, I will live. Tell somebody next to you, I will live. If you're by yourself, tell yourself, I will live because truly in him we live and move and have our being. This evening, we want to talk about a Christian and the church. Christian is only found three times in the New Testament. It is found in Acts 11, 26, <clears throat> Acts 26, 28, and 1 Peter 4, 16. Write these down because we're going to be going to them. That's Acts eleven twenty six, Acts 26, 28, and 1 Peter 4, 16. We know the meaning of Christian is to be Christ-like. The lifestyle of a Christian today is not even close. True Christians in the sight of God are righteous because they follow the life of Christ. Christianity is not given to just one religion, denomination, or nationality. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. 14 says, for the body is not one member, but many. Then it tells us in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So whether male or female, young or old, an employer or employee, if you can receive Christ, you can be a Christian. It's not about who you are or what you are. It's about what you do and how you live and do it. Let's look at Acts eleven twenty six. And when he f had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. By the disciples following the teaching of Christ, the people of Antioch gave them the name of Christian. The word Christian today has been diluted. It does not mean the same now as then. Many don't have the slightest clue of what a real Christian is. Antioch was a city exceedingly important because of its numbers, its wealth, and its influence. This may have been the reason why the disciples spent as much time as they did at Antioch. They assembled themselves and taught much people for a whole year. Again, the reason for the name Christian was because the disciples took Christ for their teacher and they credited his doctrine and followed the rule of life laid down by him. In Acts 26, 28, it says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. This was King Agrippa. Paul had been accused of being the ringleader of sedition among Jews. 
The Jews joined and agreed to say these things, but none of them could be proven. Let me reverse this saying for a moment and ask, if your neighborhood accused you of being a Christian, would there be evidence to prove it? If your job said you are a Christian and your co-workers, could they take it to your boss and prove it? Paul said this in Acts 24, 16. He said, herein do I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. How do you come across to others? This all started when Felix and Festus was in the territory. They felt Paul should go before Caesar. King Agrippa came and wanted to hear the matter. So Paul was given permission to speak. He spoke and defended himself of what he was doing, being accused of. Again, on the reverse, if you were accused of being a Christian, could you back it up with the word in you? Or would you be ashamed and lost for words? When he finished, King Agrippa said, you have almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Or you have almost convinced me to be a follower of Christ. When you are sharing, do people see a light? Do they see a shadow? Or is there darkness? What is it about our life that makes people want us to, to want to be like us? Or what is it about our life that makes people not want to be like us? Ask yourself this question. Am I an example for Christ as the disciples were? Or am I an example as they are today? Does the world see me as a godly Christian? Or does the world see me as a worldly Christian? While you think on that, look at 1 Peter 4.16. <clears throat> Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. What would I suffer as a godly Christian? Listen to what Moses did for an example. Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, Moses took a stand in who he was. Do we take a stand in who we are? Do we still run around with the same crowd? Are we afraid to say I am a Christian to our friends, to our co-workers, to our classmates, or to other brothers and sisters who have not yet received Christ? 25 says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He suffered with the people of God. Are we willing to suffer with other Christians or do we choose the pleasures of the world? If we are with the world, we are not suffering. What are we saying when we say suffer? Suffer means to experience something unpleasant. When you cannot do something, your flesh wants to do that suffering. Think about this for a moment. If you refuse 
what flesh wants you wants you suffer. When you do what flesh is not supposed to do, you end up suffering. You either suffer because you can't or you suffer because you did. But either way, in your flesh, there will be suffering. But Christ is trying to assure us with life. Death to the flesh means life for the soul and spirit. When we come into the knowledge of the truth, we learn what we should not do anymore. As a Christian, we endure suffering. As we are waiting for something, as we wait on an answer from God, sometimes we suffer. Flesh is used to getting what it wants right now. As Christians, we must practice living our lives with the idea of conforming to the image of Christ in mind. Romans 8, 29 said, For whom he did foreknow, he did, all, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. After being saved and made positionally right before God, Christians have a responsibility. But it is impossible to do or keep without the Holy Spirit. Let's look and remember what Paul said in Romans 7. See if you can identify him. Starting to verse 14, I want to read it with two different versions so we may hear clearly to what is being said and what you are going through. 14 says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The Bible basic English said, for we are conscious that the law is of the spirit. But I am of the flesh given into the power of sin. Or we know what the word says is right. We know what God says is right. And we know what we are doing is wrong. 15 says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I. Not but what I hate, that do I. Or I have no clear understanding of what I am doing. For that which I have a mind to do, I do not. But what I have to hate for that I do. When we started out as a Christian, it was not clear what is right or wrong in God's mind. Or in our mind as far as God is saying. When the Spirit was telling me to do, I didn't do it. What I hate to do is what I wanted to do. And I did it. 16 says, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. But in uh, Bible basic English says, but if I do that which I have no mind to do, I am in agreement with the law that the law is good. In other words, if I obey what the spirit is saying to me through the word, I agree with the word. If we are being honest, we don't have a mind or nature to do right. We need spiritual guidance along with spiritual knowledge. Verse 17 says, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Or, so it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me. This means when I do what is wrong, I have surrendered to the sin that lives in me. We all have a sin nature. We all were born in sin. 
Sin is the very thing I need to purge out of me. That is why Colossians says, mortify or destroy your members which are upon the earth, such as fornication, uncleanness, among others. By doing so, your flesh suffers because it cannot do what it wants to do. Flesh is not the skin, but the inner man. Verse 18 of Romans says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to, to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Another way of saying and understanding it is, for I am conscious that it in me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good. I have the mind, but not the power to do what is right. This is why we must continue to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is why we must continue to read the word of God and to continue to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Verse 19 tells us why we must stay in the word and listen to the spirit of God that lives in us. It says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Or the good which I have a mind to do, I do not. But the evil which I have no mind to do, that I do. If we don't stay in his word, if we start forsaking ourselves from the assembly, we will begin to slip into a coma of sin and begin to do the evil that flesh wants to do. Now, what is the church? The word church in the Greek is ecclesia, which means called out. We have been called out, called out of the world. We have been called out of darkness as a church, as his children. The church are the body of people that assemble together and have been divinely called or chosen through the spirit of God because of our trust in Jesus, our savior. The word church is used in a variety of ways. It is the entire body of those who are saved by their relationship to Christ. It is they are a particular Christian denomination, a single organized Christian group or a building designed for Christian worship. What is most important for us to understand in all of this is we the people the call of God, we are the real church. And this is how we are. When Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. He was saying to us also, upon the fact that you know exactly who I am, that being I am the Christ, the son of the living God, upon that truth and that revelation, I am going to build you up because you have become the mobile church that can and will go out and tell a dying world who I am and what I am coming to do. Jesus is coming for a church without spot, wrinkle, that may be presented to himself holy and without blemish. The church is founded upon the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. There could be no church until it was purchased with Christ's blood. For Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There could be no church until he rose to give it resurrection life. 
if we are risen with him, we must seek and set our affections on him. There could be no church until he ascended and became head over all things to the church. And could be no church until the spirit of God came. For on the day of Pentecost, the church was formed into one body. Church today faces many obstacles. One of the biggest obstacles is division or denominationalism. This is on the basis of doctrinal differences. Many denominational differences are in areas of worship, styles, songs, and the administration of gifts. Jesus himself said that the only foundation on which the church can stand is the fact that he is the Christ, the Son of God, who was sent to save man by dying and being divinely resurrected. And that is where we stand today. And with that, my time is up and I thank you for yours.